Tim was the first to spy the him. The main building at the south shore where the river bent. Its long, low wings outstretched along the water as if to embrace the travelers, the sailing and stream. The lower story was a gray stone, the upper wide washed wood, the roof laid, he could see several square and an arbor ivy with vines. No smoke from the chimneys, he pointed out as they approached no lights in the window. The inn was still open when last I passed this way, said the circle was free. They breathed a fine air, perhaps there is still some to be had in the cellars. There may be people, Brian said, hiding or dead, frightened of a few corpses, when James said, she glared at him. My name is Brian, yes, wouldn't you like to sleep in a bed for a night, Brian? We'd be safer than on the open river, and it might be prudent to find what's happened here. She gave no answer, but after a moment she pretended the tiller to angle the skiff into all the weather, the wooden and Cyclos scrambled to take down the sail. When they bumped softly against the pier, he climbed out to tie them up. Jim clambered after him, made up awkward by his chains. At the end of the dock, a flicking shingle swung from an iron post, painted with the likeness of a king upon his knee. His hands pressed together in the gesture of fealty. Jim took one look and laughed aloud. We could not have found a better inn. In this some special place, the wench asked suspicious. Circus answered, This is uh, the inn of the Chameleon Man, my lady. It stands uh, upon the very spot where the last king in the north met before he gained the conqueror to offer his submission. That's uh, him on the sign, I suppose. Tarana had both in power south after the fall of the two kings on the field of fire, said Jim. But when he, he saw Aegon's dragon at the size of his host, he chose the path of wisdom and bent his frozen knees. He stopped at the sound of horse winning. Horses in the stable, one at least, and one is all I need to put the wench behind me. Let's see who's home, shall we? Without waiting for an answer, James went clanging down the dark but at shorter the door, shoved it open, and found itself eye to eye with a loaded crossbow. Standing behind it was a chunky boy of fifteen, lionfish or wolf. The lad demanded, We were hoping for Capone. James heard his companions entering behind him, the crossbow is a crowd's weapon. He had put a ball throughout your heart all the same. Perhaps, but before you can wind it again, my cousin, <coughs> spill your entrails on the floor. Don't be scared, lad, now, said Cliff, sir. We mean no harm. The wench said, and we have coin to pay for food and drink. She dug a silver piece from her pouch. The boy looked suspiciously at the coin and then at James Mankers. Manacles, why is this one in errands? Kill some crossbow, said James. Do you have a lid? Yes, the boy over the crossbow, honey. Are you all birds and let them fall? And might be we'll feed you. He edged around to be throughout the thick dam and shaved the window panes and see if any more of them were outside, as of truly sail. 
We came from Rivera. Brienne undid the clasp on her belt, and Lady caught her to the floor. Sackler was falling asleep. A slow man with a poked, dirty face stepped through the cellar door, holding a bunch of heavy clipper. Free, are you? We got all smart enough to for free. The oars was all and thaw, but the meat's still fresh. Is the bread? asked Brian. Her bread and stay out cakes. Jane grinned. Now there's an honest in fee in a key. They also have used their bread and stringy meat, but most don't own up to it so freely. I'm knowing Keith. I bury him out back with his woman. Did you kill them? Would I tell you if I did? The man spat. Likely it were wolves, hawk, or maybe lions. What's the difference? The wife and I found them dead. They way we see it. The place is ours now. Where is this wife of yours? Sir Clara asked. The man gave him a suspicious squint, and why would you be wanting to know that? She's not here. No more. Your three will be unless I like the taste of your silver. Brian tossed the coin to him. He caught in the air, bit it, and tucked it away. She's got more. The boy with the crossbow announced. So she does. Boy, go down and find me some onions. The lad raised the crossbow to his shoulder, gave them one last sullen look, and vanished into the cellar. Your son, Sir Clover asked, you just a boy? The wife and me too came. We had two sons, but the lions killed one and the other died of the flux. The boy lost his mother to the bloody mamas. These days, a man needs someone to keep watch while he sleeps. He waved at the cleaver at the tables. Might as well sit. The hall was cold, but Jim picked the chair nearest the ashes and stretched out his long legs under the table. The clink of his chains accompanied his very movement, an irritating sound before this is done. I've wrapped these chains around the bench's throat. See how she likes them then. The man who wasn't an innkeeper tore three huge holes, stickers, and fried onions back on grease, which almost made up for the stale hot cakes. Jim and Claire drank a Brian a cup of cider. The boy kept his distance, perching atop the cider barrel with his crossbow across his knee, cooked and loaded. The cook drew a ten card of it and sat with them. What news from Riveron? he asked Sir Cleos, taking him for the leader. Sir Cleos glanced at Brian before answering, though also is failing. But his son holds the forge of the red folk against Lannisters. There have been battles, battles everywhere. Where are you bound, sir? King's Landing. Sir Cleos wiped the grease of his lips. They all snorted that you are three fools. Last I heard, King Stannis was outside the city walls. They say he has a hundred thousand men and a magic sword. James hand wrapped around the chain that bound his wrist and it twisted it out, wishing for the strength to snap into that uh, then I'd show Stannis where to see his magic sword. I'd stay well clear of that king's roar if you were if I were you. The man went on. It's worse than bad I hear. Wars and lions both and bands of broken men preying on anyone they can catch. Vermin declares of Cleos. You can't have such food and have a dare to trouble armed men. Begin your pardon, sir, but I see one armed man travelling with a woman and a prisoner in chains. Ben gave the cook a dark look when she does hate being reminded that she's a wench. Jim reflected to stain the chains again. 
Feelings were cold and hard against his flesh, the iron implacable. The Mackles had shifted his reservoir. I mean to follow the trident to the sea. The wench tore the host. We'll find mounts at Madame Pool and ride by way of Tuscanda and Rosby. That should keep us well away from the worst of the fighting. There us shook is that. You'll never reach Maiden Pool by river. Not thirty miles from here, couple both burned and sunk, and then China's being sliding up around them. There's a nest of outlaws that preying on anyone tries to come by, and more of the same damn river around the skipping stones and red deer island. And the lightning lord's been seen these parts as well. He crosses the river wherever he likes, riding this way and that way, never still. And who is this lightning lord? demands Sir Cleos free. Lord Berwick, as it pleases you, sir. They call him that cause he strikes so sudden, like lightning from a clear sky. It's sad he cannot die. They all die when you show a sword throughout them, Jane thought. Does Thoros of Mir still ride with him? Aye, the red wizard, I've heard tell he has strange powers. Well, he had the power to match Robert Bertheon drink to drink for drink, and uh, there were few enough uh, who could say that. Tim had once heard Thoros tell the king that he became a red priest because of the robes uh, he had the Weinsteins uh, saw. Well, Robert had laughed so hard his spit ale all over as his silk mantle. Far be it from me to make objection, he said, but perhaps the trident is not our safest course. I'd say that so they cook agreed, even if you get past Red Deer as then don't meet up with Lord Eric and the Red Wizard, there's still the ruby, the ruby fought before you. Last I heard it was the leech lord's wars had fought, but that was some time past. By now it could be lions again, or Lord Berwick, or anyone. Or no one, Brian suggested. If my lady cares to wear her skin on that, I won't stop her, but it was you, I'd leave these here river cut over land. If you stay off the main roads and shelter under the trees of a night hidden as it were, well, I still wouldn't want to go with you, but you might stand a mama's chance. They asked the ship that you'll never reach the main pool by river, no thirty miles from here, a couple boats burn and sank, and the channel's been salting up around them. There's a nest of outdoors that bring on any one tries to come by, and all of the same drone river around the skipping stone ready island. And the lightning lord's been seen in these parts as well. He crosses the river wherever he likes, riding this way and that way never still. And who is this lightning lord? demanded Sir Clare. Was free, Lord Perry, as it please you, sir. They call him that goes he strikes so sudden, like lightning from a clear sky. It's sad he cannot die. They all die when you show us all on the left. There are horses here, Jim pointed out. I hear one in the stable. 
أيه there said the innkeeper who was and an innkeeper three of them as it happens but they are not for sale. Jim had to laugh. Of course not, but you showed them to us anyway. Pian scored, but the man who wasn't an innkeeper met her eyes without blinking. And after a moment, reluctantly, his, she said, show me. And they all rose from the table. The stables had not been marked out in a while from the smell of them. Hundreds of fat black flyers swarmed among the straw, passing from stall to stall and cooling over the mounds of horse dung that lay everywhere. But there were only the three also to be seen. They made an unlikely trio, a lumbering brown plow horse, an ancient white gelding blind in one eye, and an eyed palfrey double grey and spirited. They are not for sale at any price. Price, they alleged all now announced. How did you come by these horses? Brian wanted to know. The dry was double here when the wife and me come on the hand. The man said, along with one just you just hate. The gathering come, wandering up one night, and the boy cut the palfrey running free, still saddled and bridled. Here, I show you. The saddle. He showed them was decorated with a silver inlay. Their saddle cloth had originally been checkered pink and black, but now it was mostly brown. James did not recognize the original horse, but he recognized blue things easily enough. Well, her owner won't be coming to claim her any time soon, he said the palfrey's legs. Counted the gelding's tears. Give him a gold piece for the grey, if it include the saddle. He advised Brian a silver for the plow horse. He ought to pay us for taking the white off his hands. Don't speak discourteously of your horse, sir. The wench opened the purse Lady Kathleen had given her and took out three golden coins. I will pay you a dragon for each. He blinked and reached for the goal, then hesitated and 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 drew his hand back. I don't know, I can ride on wood and dragon if I need to get away. No eat one if I am hungry. You can have our skiff as well, she said. Sail up the river or down as you like. Let me have a taste of that blood. The man took one of the coins from her palm and beat it. Hmm, real enough, I'd say. Three dragons and a skiff. He's robbing you blind, wench. James said amiably. I want provisions too. Brian told the host, ignoring Jane. Whatever you have that you can spare. There's more hot cakes. The man scooped the other two dragons from her palm and eagled them in his fist, smiling at the sound they made. I hear and spoke selfish, but that will cost you silver. My bath will be casting as well. You'll be wanting to stay the night. No, Brian said it once. The man phoned at her. Woman, you don't want to go riding at night who are strange country on horses. You don't know. You are like to blunder into some bug or break your horse's leg. 
The move will be right, you know, at Brianza. We'll have no trouble finding our way. The year host chewed on that. If you don't have the super, might be some coppers would buy you them beds and a cover that or two to keep you warm. It's not like I'm turning troubles away, if you get my meaning. That sounds more than fair, says Sir Cleos. The cover is fresh washed, too. My wife saw to that before she had to go off. Not a flea, not be found neither. You have my word on that. He jingled the coins against Maddie. Sir Klaus was a painly tempted. A proper bet would do as all good, my lady, he said to Brian. We'd make a better time on the morrow once fresh.' He looked to his cousin for supper. For supper. No, because the wench is right. We have promises to keep on long digs before us. We are to ride on, but... Said Cleos, you say yourself. Then, when I thought him deserted, now I have a full belly, and a moonlight ride will be just the thing. He smiled for the wench. But unless you mean to throw me over the back, or oh, that blow was like a sack of flour, someone had best to do something about his irons. It's difficult to ride with your anchors chained together. We am fallen at the chain. The man who was on the inkeep rubbed his door. There's a smithy round back of the stable. Show me, Brian said. Yes, said Jane. And the sooner the better. There's far too much old shit about here for my taste. I would aid to stab in it. He gave the wench a sharp look, wondering if she was bright enough to take his meaning. He hoped she might strike the irons of his wrists as well, but Brian was too suspicious. She split the ankle chain in the center with half a dozen sharp blows from the smith's hammer delivered to the blunt end of a steel chisel. Kizzle. Kizzle. When he suggested that she break the breast chain as well, she ignored him. This morning, the river, you will see a burn village, they all said, as he was helping them saddle the horses and lure their packs. This time, he directed his counsel at Brian. The rules place that if you turn south, you will come on Sir Warren's stone tower house. Sir Warren went off and died, so I couldn't say who holds it now. But it's a place best channeled. You'd do better to follow the track throughout the woods, south by east. We shall, she answered. You have my thanks. More to the point. He has your gold. Jane kept thought to himself was tired of being disgraced by disregarded by this huge ugly cow of a woman that took the blow oath for herself and signed the palfrey to Sir Klaus. As a threatened Jane drew the one eyed something which put an end to any thought he might have had of giving his oars a kick and leaving the wench in his dust. The man and the boy came out to watch them leave. The man wished them look and told them to come back in better times, while the lad stood silent, his crossbow under his arm. Take up the spear or mouth, James told him. They serve you better. 
They both started at him distrustful, so much for friendly advice. He shrugged, turning his horse, and never looked back. Sir Claus was all complained as they rode out, still in mourning for his lost feather bed. The road is along the bank of the moonlit river. Red Fork was very bored here, but shallow. Its banks uh, all mud and reeds. James and Mount plodded along placidly, though the poor old thing had a tendency to want to drift off to the side of his good eye. It felt good to be mounted once more. He had not been on a horse since Rob Stark's utters had killed his stray under him in the whispering wood. When they reached the burned village, a child of equally unpromising roads confounded them, narrow tracks deeply rutted by the cart of farmers holding the grain to the river. One wandered off toward the south head, and soon vanished amidst the trees they could see in the distance, while the others straighter and stoner around due south. Grant considered them briefly, and then swung a horse onto the southern road. Tim was pleasantly surprised it was the same choice he would have made, but this is the road the innkeeper warned us against, Sir Claire suggested. He was no innkeeper. She entered gracelessly in the saddle, but seemed to have a sure seat nonetheless. The man took to great interest in our toys of wood, and those who display laces are notorious sounds of outlaws, and he may have been herding us into a trap. Good Grant, James Meyer and his cousin are also as friends down that road. I would venture. The ones whose men gave the stable such a memorable aroma. He may have been lying about the river as well to pull us on these horses, the wench said, but I could not take the risk. There will be soldiers at the ruby for and the crossroads. Well, she may be ugly, but she is not entirely stupid. James gave her a grudging smile. The ruddy light from the upper windows of the stone tower house gave them warning of its presence a long way off, and Brian led them off into the fields. Only when the strong was well to rear did the younger back and find the war again. As the night passed before, the wench allowed that it might be safe to stop. By then, all three of them were dropping in their saddles. They sheltered in a small grove of oak and ash beside the shin stream. The wench would allow no fire, so they shared a midnight supper of stale or cakes and saltfish. The night was strangely peaceful. The afternoon side overhead in a black felt sky, surrounded by stars. Off in the distance, some wolves were howling. One of the horses whickered nervously. There was no other sound. The war has not touched this place, James thought. He was glad to be here, glad to be alive, glad to be on his way back to Cersei. I'll take the first watch, Brian told Sir Claus, and Frey was soon snoring softly. James sat against the bow of an oak and wondered what Cersei had children were doing just now. Do you have any siblings? My lady asked. Then squinted at him suspiciously. No, I was my father's uh, only child. Jane chuckled. Son, you mean to say that's the thing of you as a son? You make a queer sort of daughter. To be sure. Wordless, she turned away from him. Her knuckles tied on her sword hilt. What a friend 
captured creature this one is. She reminded him of Tyrion in some queer way, though at first blush two people could scarcely be any more dissimilar. Perhaps it was that thought of his brother that made him say I did not intend to give offence, Brian, forgive me. Your crimes are past forgiven, Kingslayer. Then name again, James said idly at his chains. Why do I enrage you so? I have never done your arm that I know of. You have armed others, those you were sworn to protect, the weak, the innocent. The king? You always came back to Aerys. Don't presume to judge what you do not understand. My name is Brian, yes. Has anyone ever told you that you are as tedious as you are ugly? You will not provoke me to anger Kingslayer, or I might if I care enough to try. What did you take the oath? She demanded. Why John the White Clock if you meant to betray all it stood for? Why, what could he say that she might possibly understand? I was a boy, fifteen. I was a great honour for one so young. That is no answer, she said scornfully. You will not like the truth. He had joined the king's guard for love, of course. Their father had soon said to her when she was twelve, hoping to make her royal marriage. He refused every offer for her hand, preferring to keep her with him in the tower of the end while she grew older and more womanly and ever more beautiful, even more beautiful. No doubt he was waiting for Prince Viserys to mature. Or perhaps for Rhaegar's wife to die in childbed. Elia of Dawn was never the healthiest of women. James, meantime, had spent four years as quiet as a summer, summer creek, or had earned his spurs against the king's hood, the brotherhood. But when he made a brief call at King's and been on his way back to Castle Rock, chiefly to see his sister, Sassy took him aside and whispered that Lord Tywin meant to marry him to other two he had gone so far as to invite Aster to the city to discuss that way. But if James took the wife, he could be near her always. Also, Ireland Grandison had died in his sleep, as was only appropriate for one whose sigil was a sleeping lion. Hires would want a young man to take his place, so why not a rural lion place of a sleeping one? Father will never consent, James objected. The king won't ask him, and once it's done, Father can't object, not openly. Harris had Sir Ian Payne's tongue torn out, just for boasting that it was the hand who truly God, who truly ruled seven kingdoms. The captain of the answer God, and yet Father dared not try and stop it. He won't stop this either. But, James said, that's Castle Rock. It is a rock you won't owe me. He remembered that night as if it were yesterday. They spent the evening all in on ill alley, well away from watchful eyes, since he had come to him dressed as a simple servant, which, which somehow excited him all the more. James had never seen her more passionate. Every time he went to sleep, she woke him again. That morning, Castle Rock seemed as more price to pay to be near her always. He gave his consent, and Sassy promised to do the rest. Promised to do the rest. A monster later, a royal raven arrived at Casterly Rock to inform him that he had been chosen for the king's court. 
He was commanded to present himself to the king during the great tourney at Arenal to say his vows and don his clock. James invested your freedom in formerly his artillery. As wise, nothing went as planned. His father had never been more furious. He could not object openly, since he had judged that correctly, but there signed the ownership of something protects and returned to Castle Rock, taking his daughter with him. Instead of being together, the same Jane just changed the place, and he found himself alone at court. Guarding a mad king, wild for lesser than two bay turns and seen on knives in his father's, father's ill-fitting shorts. So swiftly did he hands rise, and for that Jane remembered they had already better than their faces. The horn of plenty had, and the dancing griffins had, had both been exiled. The mace and dagger handed in with fire and burned alive. Lord Rossard had been blasted. His sigil had been a burning torch, an unfortunate choice, given the fate of his precious. But the alchemist had been elated largely because he shared the king's passion for fire. I ought to have drawn Rossard instead of getting him. He was still awaiting his answer. James said, you are not old enough to have known an Aries gathering. She would not hear it. Our Aries was mad and cruel. No one has ever denied that. He was still king, crowned and anointed, and you had sworn to protect him. I know what he swore. And what you did. The lumina above him, six feet of frickle from your horse to disapproval. Yes, and what you did as well. We are both kings the years here, if what I've heard is true. I never armed friendly. I killed the man who says I did. But start with Cleos, then. And you have a deal of killing to do after that. The way it tells the tale. Lies, Lady Kathleen was there when his grace was murdered, he saw. There was a shadow. The candles got red and the air grew cold, and there was blood. Oh, very good. Jim laughed. Your wits, your wits are quicker than mine, I confess. When they found me standing over my dead king, I never thought to say, No, no, it wasn't me. It was a shadow, a terrible cold shadow. He laughed again. Tell me true. One king slayer to another. Did the stars pay you to slit his throat? Or was it Stannis? Had only spurred you? Was that the way of it? Or perhaps your moon's blue was on you? Never give a wench a sword when she is beating. For a moment, Jane thought Brian might strike him a step closer, and I snatched that the girl from the sea and bury it up a womb. He gathered a leg under him, ready to spring, but the wench did not move. It is a rare and precious gift to be a knight, she said, and even more so a knight of the king's god. It is a gift given to few, a gift you scorn and saw it. A gift you want desperately, wench, and can never have. I learned my king, I learned my knighthood. Nothing was given to me. I won't turn nearly at thirty, when I was yet a squire. 
At 15, I ruled with Sir Arthur Diane against the king's with a brotherhood, and he knighted me on the tablefield. It was that white cock that saw me, not the other way round. So spare me your envy. It was the gods who neglected to keep you a cock, not me. The Duke Brienne gave him that was full of loathing. She would gladly hack me to pieces, but for her precious vow, he reflected. Good. I've had enough of feeble pities and maidens' judgments. The wind stalked off without saying a word. Jim curled up beneath his clock, hoping to dream of something. But when he closed his eyes, it was a dearest gathering he saw pacing alone in his throne room, picking at his scabbard and bleeding hands. The fool was always scattering himself onto the blazer and the barber of the iron throne. Jim had slipped in throughout the, the king's door, clad in his golden armor, swore he had the golden armor, not the white, but no one ever I remembers that would that I had taken off that demon, the damned cock as well. When I heard the blood on his blade, he demanded to know if it was the heart I wins. I want him back, the traitor, I want his hat. You bring me his heart, or you burn with all the rest, all the traitors. Russell says they are inside the walls. He's gone to make them a warm welcome. Whose blood? Whose? Russell's, answered Jim. Those purple eyes grew huge then, and the warm mouth drooped upon in shock. He lost control of his balls. Turn around for the iron floor. Beneath the empty eyes of the scars of the walls, Jim hauled the last dragon king bodily off the steps, squealing like a pig and smelling like a pragi. A single slash across his throat was all it took to end it. So easy, you remember thinking, a king should, did, should die harder than this. Rosal, at least, had tried to make a fight of it. Though, if truth be told, he fall like an alchemist. Kid that they never ask who killed Frostard. But of course, he was no one. Lowborn. Hand for a fortnight. Just another mad fancy of the mad king. Sir Alice was the name Lord Kraken Hall and others of his father's knights burst into the hall in time to see the last of it, so there was no way for Jane to vanish and let some braggart steal the prize or blame. It will be blame. He knew at once when he saw the way they looked at him, though perhaps that was fear. Lannister or no, he was one of Aerys seven. The castle is ours, sir, and the city. Roland uh, Crackhall told him, which was half true. Targaryen, loyalist, were still dying on the serpentine steps and in the armory. Gregor Clegan and Amory Lodge were sculling the walls of Megas Ophas, and Ned Stark was leading his normal throughout the King's Gate even then. But Crackhall could not have known that. He had not seemed surprised to find a reason. James had been lord of Winston long before he had been named to the King's Guard. Then the mad king is dead, he commanded. 
span all those who yield and hold them captive. Shall I proclaim a new king as one? Craig Hall asked, and Jane read the question plain. Shall it be your father, or Wolf Parthian, or do you mean to try to make a new dragon? No, king, he thought for a moment of the boy, Faisarius, fled to Dragonstone, and of Aegis' infant son, Inconceal, in Aegis with his mother, and you Targaryen's king, and my father as a hand. How the walls wheel, hole, and the storm lord choke with rage. For a moment he was stamped, until he glanced down again at the body of the fool. In his brilliant pool of blood, his blood is in both of them, he thought. Proclaim who you bloody well like, it all quick hole. Then he climbed the iron throne and seated himself with his cord across his knees to see all water. Come to claim the kingdom, as it happened, it had been at the stock. You had no right to judge me either, Stark. In his dreams, the dead came burning, gold in swirling green flames, chained down around them with a golden sword. But for every one he struck down, two more arose to take his place. Brian walked in with a boot in the whips. The wall was still black, and it had begun to rain. They broke the fast on oat cakes, salt fish, and some blackberries that Cecilia had found, and were back in the saddle before the sun came up. The eunuch was humming tunelessly to himself as he came throughout the door, dressed in pawning robes of pitch-colored silk and smelling of linens. When he saw Tyrion seated by the hearth, his then grew very still. My lord Tyrion came out in a squeak, pinto-headed by Neville's eagle. So you do remember me, I have begun to wonder. It is so very good to see you looking so strong and well, for his one is as tiny as his mine. Though I confess I had not thought to find you in my own humble chambers. They are humble, excessively so, in truth. Tyrion had waited until various was met by his father before sleeping in to pay him a visit. The eunuch's apartments were spares and small, three snug widow-less chambers under the north wall. I hoped to discover by sharp baskets of juicy secrets to why away the waiting, but there's not a paper to be found. He searched for its and passages too, knowing the spider must have ways of coming and going unseen, but those had proved equally elusive. There was a... Was Walter, was Walter, in your flagon, God have mercy. He went on, yours, the pincer, is no wider than a coffin, and that bad. Is it actually made of stone, or does it only feel that way? First closed the door and buried it. I am thrived with the bacache by Lord and prepared to sleep upon a hard surface. I would have taken you for a feather bad man. I am full of surprises. Are you cross with me for abandoning you after the battle? It made me think you, think of you as one of my family. It was not for want of love, my good lord. I have such a delicate disposition, and your scar is so dreadful to look upon. He gave an exaggerated shudder. You, your poor nose. 
Tune rather irritably at the scalp. Perhaps I should have a new one made ago. What sort of nose would you suggest, Boris? One like yours, to smell out secrets. <laughs> or should I tell the girls me that I want my father's nose? He's mine. My noble father labors so diligently that I scarce see him anymore. Tell me, is it true that he is restoring Grandmaster Paisal to the small council? It is, my lord. We have my sweet sister to thank for that. Paisal had been his sister's creature. Tyrion had stripped the man of office, beard and dignity, and flung him down into a black cell. Not at all, my lord. Thank the archmasters of all time. Those who wished to insist on Paisal's restoration on the ground, that only the conclave may make or make a grand master. Bloody fools, thought Tyrion. I seem to recall that Megar, the cruiser, and his men made three with his hawks. Question, Barry said. And the second Aegon fed Grandmaster Gerard to his dragon. Alas! I am quiet, dragonless. I suppose I could have dipped the Paisal in what fire and set him ablaze. Would the citadel have preferred that? Well, it would have been more in keeping with tradition. The Anarch teetered. Thankfully, Weiser had prevailed, and the conclave accepted the fact of Paisal's dismissal and set about choosing his successor. After giving due consideration to Master Turpin, the cruel trueiner's son, and Master Eric, the head nice pasta, and thereby demonstrating to their own satisfaction that ability counts for more than birth in the order, the conclave was on the verge of sending us Master Gorman, a tyrant of Icarda. When I told your lord father, he acted at once. The conclave met in a town behind closed doors, tyrant knew. Its uh, deliberation, uh, deliberations were supposedly a secret. So Boris has little birds in the citadel too, I see. So my father decided to nip the rose before it bloomed. He had to chuckle. Baisal is a tot, but better a Lannister tot than a Tyrell tot. No, Grandmaster Baisal has always been a good friend to your house. Boris said sweetly, Perhaps it will console you to learn that Sir Boros Blount is also being restored. Thus he had stripped Sir Boros of his white cloak for failing to die in the defense of Prince Thomas when Bronn had seized the boy on the Rosby Road. The man was no friend of Tyrion's, but after that he likely hated Cersei almost as much. I suppose that's something. Blount is a blustering coward, he said amiably. Is he? Oh dear. Still the noise of the king guard, king's guard do serve for life. Traditionally, perhaps Boros will prove braver in future. He will no doubt remain very loyal. To my father, said Tyrion pointedly. While we are on the subject of the King's Guard, I wonder could this lightfully and expected visit of yours happen to concern Sebo's fallen brother, the gallant Simon de Moore? The eunuch stroked a powdered cheek. Your man, Bron, seems most interested in him of late. Bron had turned up all he could on Sir 
Mende, but no doubt Varys knew a deal more. Should he choose to share it, the man seems to have been quite friendless. Tyrion said carefully. Sadly, said Varys, oh, sadly, you might find some kin if you turn it over in a stone back in the vale. But here, Lord Arryn bore him to King's Landing, and Robert gave him his white cloak, but neither loved him much, I fear. Nor was he the sort of the small folk cheer in turnings, despite his undoubted prowess. Why? In his brothers of the King God never wondered to him. Sir Bersan was once heard to say that the man had no friend but his war and no life but duty, but you know, I do not think Salminiad is altogether as prize, which is queer when you consider it. Is it not? Those are all the very qualities we seek in our king's guard. It could be said, men who live not for themselves, but for their king. By those lights, our brave Sermondon was the prepared white knight, and he died as a knight of the king's guard, or with sword in hand, defending one of the king's own blood. The eunuch gave him a slimy smile and watched him sharply, trying to murder one of the king's own blood men. Tyrion wondered if Varys knew really more than he was saying. The thing he just heard was new to him. Varna had brought back much the same reports. He needed a link to Cersei, some sign that Salander had been his sister's cat spell. What we want? Is not always what we get, he reflected bitterly, which reminded him. It is not Simon who brings me here. To be sure, the eunuch crossed the room to his flagon of water. May I serve you, my lord? He asked as he filled a cup. Yes, but not with water. He folded his hands together. I want you to bring me shy. Varys took a drink. Is that wise, my lord? The dear sweetheart, it would be such a shame if your father had it did not surprise him that Varys knew. No, it's not wise. It's bloody madness. I want to see her one last time before I send her away. I cannot abide having her so close. I understand. How could you? Tyrion had seen her only yesterday. Found me the serpentine stuffs with a pail of water. He had watched as young knight had offered to carry the heavy pail. The way she had touched his arm and smiled for him had tried Tyrion's guts into nuts. They passed within inches of each other, him descending and her climbing so close that he could smell the clean, fresh scent of her hair. My lord, she said to him with a little curtsy, and he wanted to reach out and grab her and kiss her right there, but all he could do was nod stiffly and waddle on past. I have seen her several times, he told Varys, but I dare not speak to her. I suspect that all my movements are being watched. You are wise to suspect so, my good lord. Who? He cooked his heart. The kitterbacks report frequently to your sweet sister. When I think of how much coin I pay those wretches, do you think there's any chance that more gold might win them away from Cersei? There is always a chance, but I should not care to wager on the likelihood. They are knights now all three, and your sister has promised them further advancement. 
a week later, bitter blasts from Ion Eclipse, and the eldest, Sir Osmond of the King's Guard, dreams of thirteen other figures as well. You can match the queen coin for coin, I have no doubt, but she has a second purse that is quite inexhaustible. Seven hours, though, two. Are you suggesting that says a fucking Osmond get her back? Oh, do you mean not? That would be dreadfully dangerous, don't you think? No, the queen only hints. Perhaps on the morrow, or when the wedding is done. And then, a whis- a smile, a whisper, a ribald, yes. A breast pushing lightly against his give as they pass, and yet he seems to starve, to serve. <sighs> to serve. But what would an eunuch know of such things? The tip of his tongue ran across his lower lip like a shy bean cannon. If I could somehow push them beyond this life holding, fondly, arrange for father to catch them about together, Tito fingered the scab on his nose. He did not see how it could be done, but perhaps some plan would come to him later. Ah, the kettlebacks are the only ones. Would that were true, my lord? I fear there are many eyes upon you. You are, how shall we say, conspicuous and not well, lord. It grieves me to tell you. Janos, since some would gladly inform on you to avenge their father and our sweet lord Petty, as friends enough the borders of King's Landing, should you be so unwise as to visit any of them, he will know at once in your lord father soon thereafter. It's even worse than I fear, and my father, who does a hell spying army, This time the eunuch laughed aloud. Why, me, my lord? Dion laughed as well. He was not so great a fool as to trust various any farther than he had to, but the eunuch already knew enough about Shai to get a well and fourthly hanged. You will bring Shai to me throughout the wars, even from all these eyes, as you have done before. That is wrong, his hands. Oh, my lord, nothing would please me more. But King Mago wanted no rats in his own wars. He did take my meaning. He did require a means of secret grease. Grass. Shouldn't he have be trapped by his enemies? But that dude does not connect with any other vestiges. I can't see your shy away from Lady Lollies for a time, to be sure, but I have no way to bring her to your bedchamber without us being seen. Then bring her somewhere else. But where? There is no safe place. There is. Tyrion grinned. Here. It's time to build that rock heart that of, of, of yours to better use, I think. The owner smiled, hoping. Then he giggled. That means tires easily. These days. She is great, with child. I imagine she will be safely asleep by moonrise. Tyrion hopped down from the chair. Moonrise then, see that you lay in someone, and two clean cups, very about. It shall be as my lord commands. 
The rest of the day seemed to creep by as though as home in molasses. Tyrion climbed to the castle river and tried to distract himself with the cause history of the ruinish woods, but he could hardly see at once for imagining Shire's man. Come in the afternoon, he put the book aside and called for a bath. He scrubbed himself until the water grew cool, and then had put even out his whiskers. His beard was a trial to him, a tangle of yellow, white, and black hair as patchy and coarse. It was seldom less than unsightly, but it did serve to conceal some of his face, and that was all to the good. When he was as clean and pink and trimmed as he was like to get, Tyrion looked over his wardrobe and chose a pair of tight satin breeches and lanister crimson in his best velvet. He the heavy black velvet with lion's hat studs. He would have done his chain of golden hand as well if his father hadn't stolen it while he lay down. It was not until he was dressed that he realized that of his folly. Seven hells a dog did you lose. Lose all your sons along with your nose. Anyone who sees you is going to wonder why you have put on your court clothes to visit the eunuch. Cursing Tyrion stripped and dressed again in simple garb, black woolen breeches, an old white tunic, and a faded brown leather jacket. It doesn't matter, he told himself as he waited for moonrise. Whatever you wear, you are still a dwarf. You'll never be as sore as that night on the steps. Him with his long straight legs and hostage and wide manly shoulders. The moon was peeping over the castle wall when he told Drake Fane that he was going to pay a call on the reel. Will you be along, my lord? The boy asked. Oh, I hope so. The red keep so proud. Tyrion could not hope to go unnoticed. Sir Baden Swan stood guard on the door and Sir Laura Tyrion on the drawbridge. He stopped to exchange pleasantries with both of them. It was strange to see the knight of flowers all in white when before he had always been as colorful as a gringo. How old are you, Sir Laura? Tyrion asked him. Seventeen, my lord, seventeen and beautiful and already a legend. Half the girls in the Seven Kingdoms want to bat him, and all the boys want to be him. If you will pardon my asking, sir, why would anyone choose to join the King's Guard at seventeen? Prince Eamon, the dragon knight, took his vows at seventeen, said Lula said, and your brother James was younger still. I know their reasons. What are yours? The honour of serving beside such paragons as Marine Trond and Boris Blunt, he gave the boy a mocking green to guard the king's of your surrender your own. You give up your lands and title, give up hope of marriage, children. House the rock continues throughout my brothers, said Lord said. It is not necessary for a third son to wear or breed. Not necessary, but some find it pleasant. But of love, when the sun has set, no candle can replace it. Is that from sun? Tyrion cocked his head, smiling. Yes, you are seventeen. I see that now. Sir Loras answered. Do you mock me? A prickly lad. No, 
if I've given orphans who give me. I had my own loved ones, and we had song as well. I loved the maid as fair as summer with sunlight in her hair. If it's a lot as good evening and went on his way. It comes a group of men at arms were fighting a pair of dogs. Tyrion stopped long enough to see the smaller dog tear off the face of the larger one and earn a few coarse laughs by observing that the loser now resembles and looked again. Then, hoping he had disarmed these suspicions, he proceeded to the north wall and down the short flight of steps to the eunuchs and abode. The door opened as he was lifting his hand to knock. Paris, two rooms lived inside. Are you there? A single candle lit the gloom, spicing the air with the scent of jasmine. My lord, a woman seated into the light, then served not only with a round pink moon of a face and heavy dark curls. Tyrion recalled, Is something amiss? she asked. Varys, she, he, he, realized with annoyance. For one already moment I thought you'd bore me lollies instead of shy. Where is she? Yeah, my lord. She put her hands over his eyes from behind. Can you guess what I'm wearing? Nothing. Oh, you are so smart. She pointed, snatching her hands away. How did you know? You are very beautiful in nothing. Am I? She said. Am I truly? Oh, yes. Then shouldn't you be fucking me instead of talking? We need to read a sub of Lady Barry's first. I am not the sort of dwarf who likes an audience. He's gone, Shai said. Tyrion turned to look. It was true. The Enoch had vanished, skirts and all. The eaten doors are here somewhere. They have to be. That was as much as he had time to think, before Shai turned his head to kiss him. Her mouth was wet and hungry, and she did not even seem to see his scarf. Odoro scrubbed where his nose had been. Her skin was warm, silk beneath his fingers. When his thumb brushed against the earth, left a nibble. He hardened at once. Hurry, she urged, between kisses as his fingers went to his laces. Oh, hurry, hurry, I want you in me, in me, in me. He did not even have time to undress properly. Shai pulled his cock out of his breeches, then pushed him down on to the floor and climbed atop him. She screamed as he pushed past her lips and rolled him wildly moaning. My giant, my giant, my giant, every time she slammed down on him. Tyrion was so eager that he exploded on the fifth stroke, but Shai did not seem to mind. She smiled wickedly when she felt him sporting and leaned forward to kiss the sweet from his brow. My gen of Lannis, she murmured, stay inside, please, I like to feel you there. So Tyrion did not move, except to put his arms around her. It feels so good to hold her and to be held, he thought. How can something this sweet be a crime worth hanging her for? Shy, he said sweetly, this must be our last time together. The danger is too great. If my old father should find you, I like your scar. She traced it with her fingers. It makes you look very forest and stone. He laughed very ugly, you may. 
My lord, we'll never be ugly in my eyes. She kissed the scab that covered the greatest stub of his nose. It's not my face that need concern you, it's my father. He does not frighten me. Will my lord give me back my shears and silks now? I asked the fairies if I could have them when you were hurt in the battle, but he wouldn't give them to me. What would have become of them if you died? I didn't die. Here I am. I know. Shall I bring that of him smiling? Just where you belong. Her mouth turned pouting. But how long must I go on with ladies now that you are well? Have you been listening? Tyrion said. You can stay with ladies if you like, but it would be best if you left the city. I don't want to leave. You promised you'd move me. Into a month again after the battle. Hercund gave him a little squeeze and he started to stiffen again inside her. Alanisa always pays his debt, you said. Child, God's be damned. Stop that. Listen to me. You have to go away. The city is full of tears just now and I am closely watched. You don't understand the dangers. Can I come to the king's wedding feast? That is want to go. I told her no one's like to rape her in the king's own throne room, but she is so stupid. When I roared off, his cocks lit out of her with a soft wet sound. Simon says there's to be a singer, Cerny, and tumblers, even a fool's just. Tyrion had almost forgotten about Shad, the twice damned singer. How easy it you spoke to Simon? I told Lady Tonda about him, and she hired him to play for of the music comes uh, when the baby starts to kick. Simon says there's uh, to be a dancing bear at the feast and winds up from the arbor. I've never seen a bear dance. They do it worse than I do. It was the singer who concerned him, not the bear. One cavalier swore in the wrong ear and shy would hang. Simon says there's to be seventy-seven cursing and a hundred those backed into a great pie. She gushed. When the curse opened, the crits opened, they all burst out and fly, after which they will host in the rafters and bring down beard shit on the guests. Tyrion had suffered such wedding pies before that I was like to shit on him especially. Also, he had always suspected. Couldn't I dress him my silk and velvet and go as a lady instead of a maid servant? No one would know I wasn't. Everyone would know you weren't, though Tyrion. Lady Tanda might wonder where well, Alias a bad maid found so many jewels. There's to be a thousand gaps. So Simon says she'd never even seen me. I'd find a place in some dark corner below the salt, but whenever you got up to go to the privy, I could slip out and meet you. She kept his cock and stroked it gently. I won't wear any smoke holes under my gown, so my lord won't even need to unlace me. Her fingers tased him up and down. Or if he liked, I could do this for him. She took him in her mouth. Tyrion was soon ready again. This time it lasted much longer. When he finished, Shai called back at him and curled up naked under his arm. You let me come, won't you? Shai gone. 
it is not safe. For a time she said nothing at all. Tyrion tried to speak of other things, but he met a wall of sullen courtesy as icy and unyielding as the wall he had once walked in the north. God be good, he thought wearily as he watched the candle burn down and being too gutter. How could I let this happen again? After Titian, am I as great a fool as my father thinks? Betty Woody gave would have given her the promise she wanted and gladly walked her back to his own bedchamber on his arm to let her dress in the silks and babbled she loved so much. Had the choice been his, she could have sat beside him at Joffrey's wedding feast and danced with all the beers she liked, but he could not see her hang. When the candle burned out, Tyrion disentangled himself and lit another. Then he made a round of the walls, tapping on each in turn, searching for the hidden door. Shy sat with her legs drawn up and her arms rubbed around them, watching him. Finally, she said, They are under the bed, the secret steps. He looked at her in cradle loose. The bed, the bed is solitary. It weighs half a ton. There's a place where very species, and it falls right up. I asked him how, and he said it was magic. Yes, Tyrion had to grin. A counterweight spell. Shy stood. I should go back. Sometimes baby kicks and lollies wakes and calls for me. Why should I return shortly? He is probably listening to every word we say. Tyrion sat candle down. There was a wet spot on the front of his breeches, but in the darkness a little hot to go unnoticed. He told Shy to dress and wait for the eunuch. I will, she promised. You are my lion, aren't you? My giant old man is there. I am, he said, and you are. You whore. She laid a finger to his lips. I know, I'd be your lady, but I never can, else you would take me to the feast. It doesn't matter, I like being a whore for you, Tyrion. Just keep me, my lion, and keep me safe. I shall, he promised. Fool, fool. The voice inside him screamed. What did you say that? You came here to summon her way. Instead, he kissed her once more. The walk back seemed long and lonely. Patrick Payne was asleep in his trundle bed at the foot of Tyrion's but walked boy. Bron, he said. Sir Bron, part of the sleep from his eyes. Oh, should I get them? Him, my lord. Why not? I woke you up so we could have a little chat about the way he dresses, said Tyrion. But his sarcasm was wasted. Pod only gaped at him in confusion until he threw up his hands and said, Yes, get him. Bring him now. The lad dressed hurriedly and all but ran from the room Am I really so terrifying? Tyrion wondered as he changed into a bad robe and poured himself some wine. It was on his third cup, and that the night was gone before Bart finally returned with the successful night in town. High hope the boy had a damp good reason dragging me out of Katayas. Brown said as he seated himself, Katayas, Tyrion said, Annoyed, 
It's good to be out night, no more looking for the cheaper brothers down the street. Brown grinned. Now it's Avayaya and Marie in the same feather bed with Sir Brown in the middle. Tyrion had to bite back his annoyance. Brown had as much right to bite Avayaya as any other man, but still I never touched her, much as I wanted to. But Brown could not know that he should have kept his cock out of her. He dare not visit Katayaya's himself. If he did, Sussi would see that his father heard of it, and Yaya would suffer more than a whipping. He sent the girl a necklace of silver and jade, and a pair of matching bracelets by way of apology, but other than that, this is a fruitless. There is a singer who calls himself Simon Silverton. Tyrion said wearily, pushing his guilt aside. He plays for Lady Thunder's daughter sometimes. What of him? Kill him, he might have said, but the man had done nothing about seeing a few sons, and a fish eyes whipped head with visions of dust and dancing bears. Find him, he said instead. Find him before someone else does. She was grabbing poor vegetables in her dead man's garden when she heard the singing. Arya stiffed still as stone, listening the three stringy carols in her hand, the forgotten. She thought of the bloody mummers and whose wildens man, and a shiver of fear went down her back. It's not fair, not when we finally found the trident, not when we thought we were almost safe. Only why would the mamas be singing? The song came drifting up the river from somewhere beyond little right to the east. Off to go down to see the pyramid, eyed for high hope. Aria rose, Carol sanguine from her hand. It sounded like the singer was coming up the river road, over among the cabbages a hot valley had heard it too. To judge by the look of his face, Gendry had gone to sleep in the shade of a burning cottage, and was past hearing anything. I still a sweet kiss with the point of my blade. Hide ho, hide ho, she thought she heard a wood harp too, beneath the soft rush of the river. Do you hear? Do you hear? Hot pie asked in a hoarse whisper as he hugged an armful of cabbages. Someone coming. Go wake, Gendry, Ariel told him. Just shake him by the shoulder. Don't make a lot of noise. Gentry was easy to wake, unlike Hot Pie, who needed to be kicked and shouted at. I make her my love and we'll rest in the shade. Hi ho, hi ho. The sounds were louder with every word. Hot Pie opened his arms. The cabbages fell to the ground with soft thumbs. We have to hide. Where? The burned cottage and its overgrown garden stood all beside the banks of the trident. There were a few willows going along the river's edge and reed beds in the muddy shallow beyond, but most of the ground hereabouts was painfully open. I knew we should never have left the woods. She thought they'd been so hungry, though and the garden had been too much temptation. The bread and cheese they had stolen from Horonal had given out six days ago, back in the thick of the woods. 
thick gentry and the waters behind the cottage, she decided that was part of one wall still standing big enough, maybe to conceal two boys and three horses. If the horses don't whinny, and that singer doesn't come poking around the garden. What about you? I hide by the tree. He's probably alone. If he bothers me, I'll kill him. Go. What if I went? And I adopted her carrots and drew the stolen sword from over her shoulder. She had strapped the seat across her back. The long pole was made for a man grown and it dumped against the ground when she wore it on her hip. It's too heavy besides. Uh, she thought, missing neither, the way she did every time she took this clumsy thing in her hand, but it was a sword and she could kill with it. That was enough. Light fruit. She moved to the bagel willow that grew beside the bed in the road and went to one knee in the grass and moved with the end veil of trailing branches. You old gods, she prayed as the singer's voice grew louder. You three gods, hide me and make him go past. Then a horse whickered and the song broke off suddenly. He is hurt, she knew, but maybe he is alone. Or if he is not, maybe they'll be as scared of us as we are of them. Did you hear that? A man's voice said, There's something beyond that wall, I would say. I hear a second voice deeper. What do you think it might be? Archer? Too done. Arya beat her lip. She, who she could not see uh, them from where she knelt, on account of the willow, but she could hear. Appear a third voice or the first on again. A lot of meat on a bear, the deep voice said, a lot of fat as well in four. Good to eat if it's cooked upright. Could be a wolf, maybe a lion with four feet. You think or two makes no matter, does it? Not so I know. Archer, what do you mean to do with all them arrows? Drop a few shafts over the wall. Where, whatever, hiding back, the wheel come out quick enough. Watch and see. What if it's some honest man back there, though, or some poor woman with a little babe at her breast? An honest man would come out and show us his face. Only an outlaw would skulk ahead out. Ah, yeah, that's so. Go and lose your shots, said Dan. Arya sprang to her feet. Don't. She shuddered at them her sword. There were three, he saw. Only three. Siri could fight more than three, and she had Otpah and Tundri to stand with her, maybe. But they were boys, and these are men. They were men through travels and mud spiked. She knew the singer by the wood harp. He cradled against his jerkin, as a mother might cradle a bird. A small man, fifty from the look of him, he had a big mouth, a sharp nose, and thinny brown hair. 
His faded greens were mended here and there with all leather patches, and he wore a brace of thorny knives on his hip and a woodman's axe slung across his back. The man beside him stood a good foot tall and had the look of a soldier. A long war and dear hung from his studded leather by a row of overlapping steel rings were sewn onto his shirt, and his hat was covered by a black iron half ham shaped like a cone. He had bad teeth and a bushy bone beard, but it was his hooded yellow cloak that drew the eye. Thick and heavy, stained here with grass and dark with blood, frayed along the bottom and patched with the skin on the right shoulder. The green clock gave the big man the look of some huge yellow bird. The last of the three was a yard as skinny as his long bow, if not quite as tall. tall. Red hide and freckle, he wore a sudden brigantine hide with a fingerless leather gloves and a quiver on his back. His arrows were thatched with grey goose feathers, and six of them stood in the ground before him like a little fence. The three men looked at her, standing there in the row with her blade in hand. Then the singer idly pucked a string. Boy, he said, put up that sword now, unless you are wanting to be heard. It's too big for you, lad, and besides, Angui here could build three shafts throughout you before you could hope to reach us. You could not, Arya said. And I am a girl. So you are, the singer about my patents. Uh, you go on down the road, just walk right past here. And you keep on singing, so we'll know where you are. Go away and leave us be, and I won't kill you. The freckled face arched laughed. Lamb, she won't kill us. Did you hear? I heard, said Lamb, the big soldier with the deep voice. Child, said the singer, put up that sword and we'll take you to a safe place and get some food in that belly. There are wolves in these parts and lions and wolf things. No place for a little girl to be wandering alone. She is not alone. Gendry rode out from behind the cottage wall, and behind him hot fire leading her horse. He and he is a chainmail, a shirt with a sword in his hand. Gendry looked almost a man grown and dangerous. Hot pie looked like hot pie. Do like she says, and leave us be warned, Gendry. Two and three, the singer counted, and is that all of you had horses too, lovely horses. Where did you steal them? They are ours. Are you watched them carefully? The singer kept distracting her wish with his talk, but it was that the archer was a danger. If she if he should pull an arrow from the ground. Will you give us your name? Like honest men, the singer asked the boys. I'm hot by Otras said at once. Ah, yeah, and good for you, the man smiled. It's not every day I meet a lad with such a tasty name. And what would your friends be called? Mutton, chop, and scrap? Turn the score down from his saddle. Where should I tell you my name? I haven't heard yours. Well, as to that, I'm town of seven strings, but town seven strings is what they call me. Or town of sevens. This great aloud with the brown teeth is black, short for lemon clock. It's yellow, you see, and lambs are so sort. 
and Yang follow me loud order that is Angai or Archer as we like to call him. Now who are you? demanded Lam in the deep voice that Arya had heard throughout the benches of the wheel. She was not about to give up her true name as easy as that. Squab if you want, she said, I don't care. The big man laughed, a squab with a sword. He said, now that's something you don't want to see. And the bill, said Gentry, taking his lead from Arya. She could not blame him for preferring gold to mutton chop. Tom's sudden string was stronger than his heart. What by Squab and the bull? Escaped from Lord Bolton's kitchen, did you? How did you know? Arya demanded, uneasy. You bear his sigil on your chest, little one. She had forgotten that for an instant. Beneath her cloak, she still wore her fine pages doublet with the fire man of the dead forge stone on her breast. Don't call me a little one. Why not? said Lam. You are little enough. I'm bigger than I was. I'm not a child. Children didn't kill people, and she had. I can see that, Squab. You are none of your children, not uh, if you were Watsons. We never were. Otpah never knew when to keep quiet. We were an hour before he came, that's all. So you are lying, cows. Yes, that the way of it, said Tom. Not that either. We are nobody's man. Whose man are you? Angai, the artist, said, We are king's man. Are you a fool? Which he King Robert, said Len. He needs the yellow cloak. That old drum, said Jundry scornfully, he's that some boy killed him. Everyone knows that. I yell it, said Tom Seven Strings, and more was the pity. He plucked a sad shawl from his heart. I really don't think they were king's man at all. They looked more like a clothes, all tattered and ragged. They didn't even have horses to ride. King's man would have had horses, but odd by piped up eagerly. We're looking for Riveron, he said. How many dies ride is it? You know, I could have killed him. You be quiet, or I'll stop frogs in your big stupid mouth. Riveron is a long way upstream, said Tom. A long, hungry way. Might be you like could haunt me before you set out. There's an inn not far ahead, kept by some friends of ours. We could share some air and a bit of bread instead of fighting one another. An inn? The thought of hard food made Arya's belly rumble, but she didn't trust this tongue. Naturally, one who spoke your friendly was really your friend. It's near, you say. Two miles upstream, said Tom. A league at most. Terry looked as uncertain as she felt. What do you mean, friends? He has worried me. Friends, have you forgotten what friends are? Shana is in Kate's name. Tom Putin. She has a sharp tongue and a fire's eye. I grant you that by her heart, a good one. And she is fond of little girls. I'm not a little girl, she said ugly. Who else is there? Yusuf friends. Shana's husband and an orphan boy they took in. They won't harm him. There's an ale if you think you are old enough. Fresh bread and maybe a bit of meat. Tom best to the cottage and whatever you stole from all pays. Gordon, besides, we never stole, said Arya. Are you all the pays, a sister, a wife, tell me no wise cook. I bury all pays myself right there under the willow where you were hiding, and you don't have means to. It drew a sad sound from his heart. We buried many a good man this past year, but we had no wish to bury you. I swear it on my heart. 
Archer Shoah. The archer's hand moved quicker than Arya would have believed. He shoved went, he sympathized her head within an inch of her ear, and where it sat in the trunk of the window behind her. By then, the bowman had set out much to have drawn. She'd thought she understood what Syria meant about quick as a snake and smooth as summer silk, but now she knew she hadn't. The owl from beyond her like me. You missed, she said. More fool you, if you think so, said Angai. They go where I stabbed them. That they do, agreed Lamanpok. There were a dozen steps between the archer and the point of those war. We have no chance, Arya realized, wishing she had a bow like his and the sea and the skill to lose it. Glimly, she lowered her and realized what the point touched the ground. We can't see this end, she considered, trying to hide doubt in her heart behind the woods. You walk in front and we're right behind, so we can see what you are doing. Some strings about deeply and sat before behind it makes no matter. Come on, that's that's show them the way. On guide that's full up those rows we won't be needing them here. Arya shattered the sword and crossed the road to where her friends sat on their horses, giving her distance from the three strangers. Hot pie, get those cabbages, she said as she watered into her saddle, and the carrots too. For once, he did not argue. They set off as she had wanted, walking their horses slowly down the rutted road a dozen paces behind the tree on foot. But before very long, somehow, they were riding right on top of them. Thompson's strings walked slowly and lighter to strum his rudolph as he went. Do you know any songs? He asked them. I dearly love someone to sing with that I would. That can't carry a tune, and our long bell that only knows mortar ballads, every one of them hundred as his own. We sing real songs in the marshes. Hangai said mildly. Singing is stupid, said Arya. Singing makes noise. We heard you a long way off. We could have killed you. Tom smiled sad. He did not think so. There are worse things than dying with a song on your lips. If there were also here about, we'd know it. Roseland, all lines, these are our woods. You never knew we were there, said Gentry. Now that you shouldn't be so certain of that, said Tom. Sometimes a man knows more than he says. Hot by shifter, he said. I know the song about the bear, he says, some of it anyhow. Tom ran his fingers on his strings. Then let's hear it, pie boy. He threw back his head and sung. A bear there was a bear, a bear, a black and brown and covered with air. Hot pie joined in lustily, even bouncing in the saddle a little on the lines. Arya saw at him in astonishment. He had a good voice and he sung well. He never did anything well. Except big, she thought to herself. A small brook falling to the Jordan a little farther on. As they waded across, the singing flash took from among the reeds. Uncle stooped where he stood and slung his bow, notched an arrow, and brought it down. The bird fell in the shallows not far from the bank. Then took off his yellow cloak and waited in keen deep to try it, complaining all the while. Do you think Shona might have lemons down in that cellar of hers? said Angai to Tom as they watched the land splash around, cursing. 
Adonish girl was cooking in a dark with lemons. He sounded wistful. Tom and Otpai resumed their song on the other side of the book, with the dark hanging from lemons belt beneath his yellow cloak. Somehow the singing made the mouth seem shorter. It was not very long at until the inn appeared before them rising from the riverbank where they tried to make a great bend to the north. Arya squinted at it suspiciously as they neared. It did not look like an outwards on the air. She had to admit it looked friendly, even only with its wet wish to up a story and the late roof and the smoke curling up daisy from its chimney. Seven and order of the buildings surrounded. And there was an arbor in back, and apple trees, a small garden. The inn even had its own duck thrusting out into the river, and gently she called a voice though and argued. They had a bird. He could save the brass up the way up to river. It would be faster than riding, I think. He looked dubious. Did you ever sail aboard? You put up the sail, she said, and the wind pushes it. What if the wind is blowing the wrong way? Then there's always to roll. Against the current, gently formed, wouldn't that be slow? And what if the board tips over and we fall into the water? It's not our board anyway, it's the ends. We could take it. Aria too early and said nothing. They dismounted in front of stables. There were no other horses to be seen, but Aria noticed fresh manure in many of the stalls. One of us should watch the horses, she said weary. Tom who had hair, there's no feed for that squab. Come eat, they be safe enough, I'll stay gently said. Ignoring the singer, you can come get me after you have had some food. Nothing, Arya side off after Otpah and Lamb. Her swoop was seen in its seat across her back, and she kept her hand close to the hilt of the dagger she had stolen from Bruce Borden in case she didn't like whatever they found within. A penny sign above the door showed a picture of some old king on his knees. Inside was the common room where a very tall, ugly woman with a knobby chin stood with her hands on her hips glaring. Don't just stand there, boy, she snapped. Oh, are you a girl? Either one. You are blocking my door. Get in or get out. Lem, what did I tell you about my floor? You are honored. We shot a duck. Lem held it out like a peace banner. The woman snatched it from his hand. Angai shot a duck. Is what you are meaning. Get your boots off. Are you deaf or just stupid? She turned away. Husband, she called loudly. Get up here. The lads are back, husband. On the cellar steps came a man in a stain and the upper room rumbling. It was a head shorter than the woman, with an ampy face and loose yellowish skin that still showed the marks of some pups. I'm here, woman. Quit your building. What is it now? Hang this, she said, and then him the duck. And gosh, I felt his feet. We were thinking we might hit it. Sharna, with lemons, if you add some. Lemons. And where would we get lemons? Does it look like dawn to you, you freckled fool? Why don't you hop out back to the lemon trees and pick us a bushel and some nice olives and pomegranates too. She shook a finger at him. Finger at him. Now I suppose I could cook it with lamb's clock if you like, but not till it's on for a few days. 
You'll eat from it or you won't eat. Horse from it on speed would be cast if you've got on hunger. Or might be you'd like it stewed with ale and onions. Or you could almost seize the rabbit. We have no coin, but we bought some carrots and cabbages we could trade you. Did you know? And um, where would they be? Hot pie. Give her the cabbages. Arya sat, and he did so. He, though, he approached the old woman as gingerly as if she were rotter or bitter over go hot. The woman gave the vegetables a close inspection and the boy a close one. Where is this hot pie? Hear me. It's my name, and she is a squab. Not under my roof, I give my dinners and my dishes different names, so as to tell them apart. Husband, husband had stepped outside right at her shout. He reared back. The dogs hung. What is it now, woman? Wash these vegetables. She commanded the rest of you. Sit down while I start the rabbits. The boy will bring you drink. She looked down her long nose at Toria and Hot Pie. I'm not in the habit of serving it to children, but the cedars run out. There's no cows for milk, and the river was thirty of war, with all the dead men drifting downstream. If I served you a cup of sap full of dead flies, would you drink it? Every would, said Hot Pie. I mean, squab. So, would them, uh, offered a guy with a slice name. Slice my. Never you mind about them, Shona said. It's here for all. She swept off toward the kitchen. Angai and Tom's seven strings took the table near the hearth, while Lam was hanging his big yellow clock on a peg. Hot pipe popped down heavily on a bench at the table by the door, and Arya would gird herself in beside him. Tom unslung his off, a lonely inn on a forest road. He sang slowly, picking out a tune to go with the words. The innkeeper's wife was playing as a thought. Shut up with that now, or we won't be getting no rabbit. Lam warned him, you know how she is. Arya leaned close to Hot Pie. Can you say a boat? She asked before he could answer. A thickness boy of fifteen or sixteen appeared with ten cards of ale. Hot Pie took his reverently in both hands. And when he sipped that, he smiled wider than Arya and had a seen him smile. Hey, he whispered and rubbed well, here's to his grace. Angai, the archer, called out cheerfully, lifting a toast. Seven saved the king. All twelve of them. Lamb Lemon Clark muttered, it drunk, and wiped foam from his mouth with the back of his hand. Husband came, bustling in full heart from the door, with an apron full of rich vegetables. That strained horses in the stable, he announced as if they hadn't known. I guess a chance that in the whole half aside, and better others than the three you gave away. Husband dropped the vegetables on a table, annoyed. I never gave them away. I sold them for good prince, good price, and got us a skiff as well. Anyways, you lot were supposed to get them back. I knew they were outlaws. Aria thought, listening. Her hand went under the table to touch the ear of her dagger and make sure it was still there. If they tried to drop us, they'd be sorry. They never came our way, said them. Well, I sent them. You must have been drunk or asleep. Us drunk, them drunk a long draft of ale. Never. 
You could have taken them yourself. Lamb tore husband. What? We don't need a boy here. I told you twice. The old woman was up to lambs wool up in that from birth, her babe, and like as not it was one of you planted buster in the booger's belly. He gave Tom a sore look. You eyed wagger with the, that harp of yours, singing all dance had sung just to get poor fan out of a small quarters. It was a mix and made a warm to sleep off her clothes, and feel the good warm sun kiss her skin. Why is that the singer's fault? asked Tom. And twas a guy she fancied besides. Can I touch you, Bob? You ask him. Oh, it feels so smooth and odd. Could I give it a little pull? Do you think? Asban snorted. You and Angai makes no matter which. You are so we are uh, you are as much to blame as me. Poor them Aussies. They was uh, three, you know. What can one man do against three? Three, said Lance scornfully. But one a woman and the other in chains. You said so yourself. Asman made a face. A big woman dressed like a man. And the one in chains. I didn't fancy the look of his eyes. Anger smiled over his ear. When I don't fancy a man's eyes, I put an arrow throughout one. I remember the shaft that had brushed by her hair. She wished that she knew how to shoot arrows. Asma was not impressed. You be quiet when your elder are taking are talking. Think your ear and mind your tongue, or I have the old woman take a spoon to you. My elders talk too much, and I don't need you tell me to drink my ear. He took a big swallow to show that it was so. I did the same. After days of drinking from brooks and poodles, and then the muddy trident, the egg tasted as good as the little sips of wine her father used to allow her. As mom was stripped out from the kitchen that made her mouth water, but her thoughts were still full of that port. Selling it will be harder than selling it if we wait until they all asleep. The seven boy prayed reappeared with bigger round loaves of bread. I broke off a chunk angrily and tore into it. It was hard to chew, though, sad of thick and lumpy and burned on the bottom. Hope I made a face as soon as he tasted it. That's bad bread, he said. It's burned and though beside. It's better when there's two to suck Lamb. No, it isn't, said Angai, but you are less likely to break your teeth. You can eat it or go hungry, said Husband. Do I look like some bloody baker? I like to see you make better. I could, said Artpie. It's easy. You needed, needed the dough too much. That's why it's so hard to chew. He took another sip of it and began talking lovely of breath and the pies and tarts, all the things he loved. 
I rolled her eyes, then sat down across for her, scrubbed Isa or Ari, or whether you true name might be this is for you. If there's a dirty scrap of parchment on the wooden tabletop between them, she looked at it suspiciously. What is it? Three quarter dragons. We need to buy those horses. Ari looked at him wearily. They're our horses, meaning you sold them yourselves, is that it? No shame in that girl. What makes thieves of many honest folk? Tom tipped the folded parchment with his finger. I'm paying you an handsome price, more than any horse in's worth, if truth be told. At Pike grabbed the parchment man, unfolded it. That's no good. He complained loudly. It's only written. Writing. Ah, uh, yes, said Tom. And I'm sorry for that. But after the war, we mean to make that good. You have a mag board as a king's man. I'll push back. On the table and got to her feet. You are no kings, man. You are robbers. If you'd have a mad true robber, you'd know they do not pay. Not even in paper. It's not for us. We take your horses. Try. It's for the good of the realm so we can. Get about more quickly and fight the fights that near fighting. The king's fights. Would you deny the king? They were all watching her. The archer, big lamb, husband with his sallow face and shifty eyes. Even Shona, who stood in the door to the kitchen, squinting. They are going to take our horses no matter what I say, she realized. We'll need to talk to Riveran unless we don't want paper. I slapped the parchment out of Artpie's hand. You can have our orders for that fourth side, but only if you show us how to walk it. Thompson strings stared at her a moment, and then his wide only mouth quickened into a ray full grin. He laughed aloud. Uncle Donnie, and then they were all laughing. Lamb, lemon clocks, Sharna and Asbad, even the serving boy, who had stepped out from behind the cask wheel a crossbow under one arm. Ariel wanted to scream at them, but instead she started to smile. Brothers. Tendrees shout the walls shrill with alarm. The door was open, and there he was, soldiers. He panted, coming down the river road, a dozen of them, out by he leaped up, knocking always his tankard about Tom, and the others were unperturbed. There's no cause for spilling good ale on my floor, said Shama. Sit back down and calm yourself, boy. There's rapid coming. You two go. Whatever harm's been done you, it's over and it's done, and you are with King's Man now. We keep you safe as best as we can. Arya's only answer was to reach over a shoulder for a, a word, sword, but before she had it halfway drawn, Lamb grabbed her wrist. We have no more of that now. He twisted her arm until her hand opened. His fingers were hard with callous and fear suddenly strong. Again, Arya thought. It's happening again, like it happened in the village, with chill squeak and rough and the mountain that rides. They were going to steal her sword and turn her back into a mouse. Her free hand closed around her tankard, and she swung it at Lamb's face. The ale 
Slashed over the rim and splashed into his eyes, and she heard his nose break and saw the spurt of blood. When he roared, his hands went to his face, and she was free. Run! she screamed, bolting. Adlem was on her again at once, with his long legs that made one of his steps equal to three of hers. She twisted and kicked about. He yanked uh, off her feet forcelessly and held her dangling while the blue ran down his face. Stop it, you little fool, he shouted, shaking her back and forth. Stop it now, gently moved to Hopper, until Tom's seven strings stepped in front of him with a dagger. But then it was too late to flee. She could hear horses outside and the sound of men's voices. A moment later, a man came swaggering throughout the open door, at rushing bigger than them, with a great thick beard, bright green at the ends but growing out grey. Behind came a pair of spawn, helping a wounded man between them and the others. A more rugged band Arya had never seen, but there was nothing wrecked about the swords, axes, and bows they carried. One or two gave her curious glances as they entered, but no one said a word. A one-eyed man in a rusty pattern sniffed the air and grinned, while an archer with a head of Stephiago here was shouted for him. After them came a spearman in lion crested hand, an older man with a limp before self war. Owen, I will whisper, it was. Under the bear and the tangle here was the face of Anderson, who used to lead her pony from the yard, ride at Quintin with John and Rob, and drink too much of his days. He was thinner, harder somehow, and a winter far he had never worn a beard. But it was him, her father's man. Alwyn, screaming, she threw herself forward, trying to wrench free of Lamb's grip. It's me, she shouted. Alwyn, it's me. Don't you know me, don't you? The tears came, and she found herself weeping like a baby, just like some stupid little girl. Alwyn, it's me. Alwyn's eyes went from her face to the fine man on her doublet. How do you know me? he said, frowning suspiciously. The fleet man, who are you? Some serving boy to Lord Leach? For a moment she did not know how to answer. She had so many names. Had she only dreamed Aristarch? I'm a girl, she sniffed. I was Lord Bolton's couple bear, but he was going to leave me for the god, so I ran off with gendry and hot pie. You have to know me. You used to lead my pony when I was little. His eyes went hard, went wide. Gods be good, he said in a chuckled voice. Arya underfoot, lamp, let go of her. She broke my nose. Lamb dumped her unceremoniously to the floor. Who in seven heart is she supposed to be? The aunt's daughter. Owen went to one knee before her. Aria stuck. Owen to fall. Rob she knew. The moment she heard the canals erupt. Her son had returned to River and we went with him. Only the sound of the great great wolf could sound the hounds into such a frizzy hopping and barking. He will come to me, she knew. It's been raining for days now. A cool grey downpour that was seated at Kathleen's mood. Her father was going 
quicker and moderately used with every passing day, walking only to matter, tensing, and about forgiveness, had more shunned her and said as more grassy, denied her freedom of the castle. However, unhappy it seemed to make him only the return of several in regard, and his man mm, foot weary and turned to the bone, served to light and spirits. They had walked back, it seemed somehow the kings there had contrived to sing their galley and escape. Master Vyman confided, Galen asked if she might speak with Sir Robin to learn more of what had happened, but that was refusal. Something as was wrong as well. On the day her brother returned, a few hours after the argument, she had heard angry voices from the yard below. When she climbed to the roof to see, there were knots of men gathered across the castle beside the main gate. Horses were being led from the stables, sedled and breathed, and there was shouting, though Kathleen was too far away to make outwards. One of Rob's white banners lay on the ground, and one of the knights turned his horse and trampled over the dark wolf as he spurred toward the gate. Several others did the same. Those are men who fall with armor on the fort, she thought. What could have made them so angry? As my brother started down somehow, giving them some insult, she thought she recognized Serpent Winfrey, who had traveled with her to Bishop Bridge and Storm's End and back, and his bastard half-brother Martin Rivers as well, but from his ventures it was hard to be certain. Close to forty men poured out throughout the castle gates to what hand she did not know. They did not come back, nor would Master Freeman tell her who they had been, where they had gone, what had made them so angry. I am here to see to your father, and only that, my lady, he said, your brother will soon be lord of Rivenon. What he wishes you to know, he must tell you. But now Rob was returned from the west, returning in triumph. He will forgive me, Kathleen told herself. He must forgive me. He is my own son, and Arya and Sansa are as much his blood as mine. He will free me from these rooms, and then I will know what has happened. By the time said the smell came for her, she had bathed and dressed and combed out her, her bony hair. King Rob is returned from the west, my lady. Ignite sighed and commands that you attend him in the great hall. It was the moment she had dreamt of and dreaded. Half I lost two sons or three. She would know soon enough. The hall was crowded when they entered. Every eye was on the days, but Kathleen knew they back. Lady Moments patched Bring me on the Gretchen and his son. Looming above every other high in the hall, Lord Jason and Malister, white-haired, with a swing the hand in the crowd of his arm. Tittles backward in his magnificent rhythm feather clock. Half of them will want to hang me now. The other half may only turn their eyes away. She had the uneasy feeling that someone was missing too. Rob stood on the days. He is a boy and no longer. She realized with a pink. 
Papang, he is 16 now, a mangrove. Just look at him. Wong had melted all the softness from his face and left him hard and lean. He had a shoved. Shaved ears a bird away, but these are born near a fat anchor to his shoulders. The recent rings had rusted his mirror and left brown stains on the white of his cloak and surcoat, or perhaps the stains were blue. On his head was a sword crown they had fashioned him of bronze and iron. He bears it more comfortably now. He bears it like a king, at most two below. The crowded days had bowed modestly as Rob praised his victory. Found at the stone, meal shall never be forgotten. Small wonder Lord Tegwin ran off the five sunnies. He had his fear of Norman and Riverman both. That brought Lothar and proving south. Shouts about robberies a hand for quiet. Make no mistake, though. The Lannisters will march again and there. Will be other battles to win before the kingdom is secure. The great John fought out, king in the north, and Trusta made it first thing to the air. The river lord answered with a shout of King of the Trident. The old grew thunderous with the pounding fists and stamping feet. Only few noted Kathleen and said that small amidst the tumult, but they abode their fellows as though a hush grew around her. She held her head high, ignore the eyes, let them think what they will. It is Rob's judgment that matters. The side of Sir Biden to these forgiving face on these gave her comfort. But she did not know, seemed to be acting on Rob's squire. Behind him stood a young knight, in a sun-colored circle, busy with the seashells, and one who wore three black pepper pots on a saffron band across a field of green and silver stripes. Between them were a handsome older lady and a pretty maid who looked to be her daughter. There was another girl as well, Vincent's age. The seashells were the sigil of some lesser house. Kathleen knew the older man's she did not recognize. Prisoners? Why would Rob bring captives on today's? Arthur yards, wine, bangladesh, stuff on the food, has said this man has called her forward. If Rob looks at me as I murdered, I do not know what I will do. But it seems to her that it was not anger. She saw in her son's eyes by something else. Apprehension, perhaps. No, that made no sense. What should he fear? He was the young wolf, king on Trident and the north. Her uncle was the first to greet her. As black a fish as ever, Sir Brindan had no care for what others might think. He left off the days and put Kathleen into his arms. Well, he said, it is good to see you home, cat. She had to struggle to keep her composure, and you, she whispered, mother. Kathleen looked up at her talking son. Your grace, I have prayed for your safe return. I heard you well wounded. I took an arrow throughout the arm while storming the crag, he said. It's healed well, though. I had the best of care. The gods are good. Then, Kathleen took a deep breath. Say it. It cannot be avoided. 
They will have told you what I did. Did they tell you my reason? For the girls, I had five children, now I have three. Okay, my lady. Don't recall Castle the past. The grey John likes some green spectre with his black, melon long ragged grey beard. His now face pinched and cold. And I have one son who once had three. You have robbed me of my vengeance. Kathleen faced him calmly. No, Richard, the king's dear, said I would not have both life for your children. He is leaving me by life for mine. That was unpeased. Unpeased. James Lannister has played. You for a fool. You've bought a bag of empty words no more. My Toronto and my other deserve the battle of you. Leave off, Castor, crumble the great John Crusty, his huge arms against his chest. It was a mother's fully pointing at me that way. A mother's folly less Castor commanded on the Amber, enemy treason enough for just an instant robber sounded more like Brendan than his father. No man calls my lady of winter fire traitor in my hearing. Lorica, when he turned to Kathleen, his voice softened. If I could wish he a king's ear back in chains, I would. You freed him without my knowledge or consent, but what you did, I know you did for love. Oh, Arian Sansa, and out of grief for Brennan Rickon, love's not always wise, have learned it can lead us to great folly, but we follow our hearts whenever they take us, don't we, mother? Is that what I did? If my heart led my mean to folly, I would gladly make whatever amends I can to Lord Castark and yourself. Rocky, Rorica's face was impeccable. We your amends warmth ran another in the cold graves where the king's lair lay them. He showed her between the great John and made a moment and left the hall. Rob made no move to detain him. Forgive me, mother. If you will forgive me. I have I know what is last so greatly you can think of nothing else. Kathleen bowed her head. Thank you. I have not lost this child, Alice. We must talk, Rowan, you and my youngest, of these and other things. Seward called Anne. Other eyes, Wayne slammed his stuff on the floor and shooted the dismissal. And revelers and northerners alike moved toward the doors. It was only then that Catalina realized what was amiss. The wolf. The wolf is not here. Where is Grey Wind? She knew that the wolf had returned with Rob. She had heard the dogs, but he was not in the hall, not at a sun's side where he blanked her. Before she could think to question Rob, however, she found herself surrounded by a circle of well-wishers. Lady Mama took her hand and said, My lady, if Sir Silence had two of my daughters, I would have done the same. The great John, now respecter of properties, lifted her off her feet and squeezed her arms with his huge hairy hands. Go, wolf, Papa, Mowler, the king's day once. He'll do it again, if need be. Gabbard, Lover, and Lord Desmondson were cooler, and John and Zeb became almost icy, but they were cartoons enough. 
Herbert was the last to approach her. I pray for you girls as well, Kat. I hope you do not doubt that. Of course now she kissed him. I love you for it. When all the goods were done, the way of river was empty, save for up the three chalets and the six strangers Kathleen could not place. She hide them curiously. My lady says, are you near to my son's ghost? You said the young girl, nod him of the seashells, but for your sin, our courage and firming our loyalties, as I hope to prove you, to you, my lady. Revolutionary uncomfortable mother, he said, may I present the lady's hybrid, the wife of Lord Gowan, was staying of the quack. The older woman came forward with solemn man. Her husband was the one of those we took captive in the whispering wood. Whistling, yes, Kathleen thought. The banner is a six seal has white on sand. I mean, her house sworn to the Lannisters. Rob becomes the other strangers for each in turn. Several spiteful ladies have us about her. He was Castellan at the crack when we took it. The pepper upon night and his heart, a square beard man with a broken nose and a close cropped gray beard. He looked dusty enough. The children of Lord Go and the Lady Saba. Serving one that was still in the seashell. Nights might be near the bushy mustache. Young Lian Ruffin. He had good teeth. And sick mop of chestnut hair. Elenia, the little girl, did a quick curtsy. Roland was the name my squire. The boy started to near, so no one else was needing, and bowed instead. The honor is mine, Kathleen said. Can Rob have won the Craig's alliance? If so, it was no wonder they were sitting well with him. Castle Rob did not suffer such betrayals. Not uh, since the uh, Lannister had been old enough to go to war, the maid came for last and very shy. Rob took her hand. Mother, he said, I have the great honor to present you the lady. Yeah, was slim. Lord Gwyn held her daughter and my, uh, my lady wife. Um, the first thought that flew across Kathleen's mind was no, that cannot be. You are only a child. The second was, and besides, you have pledged another. The third was, a mother have mercy. But what have you done? Only then came a reflected remembrance. Who is down for love? He has a bagged me near as a hair in a snare. I seem to have already forgiven him. Mixed with her annoyance was a real full admiration. The scene had been stuck with the cunning worthy of a master mummer or a king. Kathleen saw no choice but to take a Jane Westerling's king. Kathleen saw no choice but to take Jane Westerling's hand. I have a new daughter, she said, more stiffly than she intended. She kissed the terrified girl on both cheeks. Be welcome to our home and heart. Thank you, my lady. I should be a good and true wife to Rob, I swear. And as was a queen as a can. Queen, yes, this uh, pretty little girl is a queen. I must remember that. She was pretty, undeniably, with her chestnut curls and heart-shaped face, and that shy smile. Slender, but with good hips, Kathleen nodded. She should have no trouble bearing children. It's about to come before any more was said. We are honored to be joined to our staff, my lady, but we are also very wary. 
We have come a long way. In a short time, perhaps we might retire to our chambers so you may visit with your son. That would be best. Rocky says he's in the steward. We'll find you suitable accommodations. I'll take you to him, said Admiral Tilly, volunteered. You are must kind, say Levi Siba. Must I go to? Asked the, the boy, Roland. I'm your squire. Rob laughed, but I'm not in it. Oscorin just now. Oh, his race has gotten along for sixty years without you, Roland, says Sir Reynolds. Reynold of this he has. He will survive a few hours more, I think, taking taking his little brother firmly by the hand and would him from the old your wife is lovely, Kathleen said when they were out of earshot. And the whistling seeing was either Lagoon is a twin lancer's woman, is he not? Yes, gentlemen, sir. Catching him in the whispering wood and has been holding him at seeker of ransom. Of course, I'll free him now, though he might not wish to join me. We well without his consent. I fear and this marriage puts him in dire peril. The is not strong. For love of me, Jane may lose all. And you, he, she says softly, have lost the phrase. His wings tore all. She understood the gray the angry voices now, wiping him free and Martin Rivers are left in such haste, trembling robs burning in the ground as they went. Do you I ask how many would come with your bride, Rob? Fifteen. A dozen nights. His voice was gloom as well it might be when the marriage contract had been made at the twins. All Lord Walder Frey had sent Rob with a thousand mountain noise and near three thousand foot. Jane is bright as well as beautiful and kind as well. She has gentle heart. It is where you need not gentle heart. How could you do this, Rob? How could you be so heartless, so stupid? How could you be so, so very young? Reproaches would not serve him, however, all she said was, Tell me how this came to be. I took her castle, and she took my heart, Rob smiled. The crack was weakly christened, so we took it by storm one night. Blackwater and the smallion let's call him parties over the walls, while I broke the main gate with ram. I took an arrow in the arm just before Sir Wolf. Here's the castle. It seemed nothing at first, but it fascinated. Nien, Jain, made me take him to her own bed, and she nursed me until the fever passed, and she was with me. When the great John brought me the news of Winterfell, Ran and Rickon, he seemed to have trouble saying his brother's names. That night she, she confirmed me, mother. Kathleen did not need to be told what sort of comfort he and Wesley had offered her son, and you wed her next day. He looked her in the eyes, proud and miserable all at once. It was the only honorable thing to do. She is a gentle and sweet mother. She will make me a good wife. Perhaps that will not appear the lot free. I know, her son said. Striken, I've made a bunch of everything but the brothers haven't I? I thought the brothers would be the hard part, but if I had listened to you and kept in as my hostage, I'd still rule the north. 
and uh, Bran and Rika would be alive and safe in Winterfell. Perhaps or not, Larbatton might still have a chance of war. Chance of war. The last time he reached the foreground, it cost him two sons. He might have thought he'd a beggar to lose only one this time. She touched his arm. What happened with the phrase after you had? Rob shook his head. With a Sir Severin, I might have been able to make amend. But Sir Ryman, his two-witted as stone, and black water that one was not named for the color of his beard, I promise you. He went so far as to say that his sisters would not be loath to add a widower. I would have killed him for that if Jane had too begged me to be merciful. Tao. He have done has free a grievous in Silver. I never meant to. So Stephen died for me, and Oliver was as loyal a squire as any king could want. He asked to stay with me, but Sir Raymond took him with the rest. All this trance, the great John Hurtier made you attack them. Fighting. You're only in the midst of your enemies, she said. It would have been the end of you. Yes, I thought perhaps we could arrange other matches for Lord Waters and others. So when the Mendeley has offered to take one, and the great John tells me his uncle's wish. Again, if the water will be reasonable, it's not reasonable," said Kathleen. He's proud and prickly to a fool. You know that he wanted to be grandfather to a king. You will not appear to him with your fur of two ori, all the brigands, and the second son of the fattest man in the seven kingdoms. Not only have you broken your horse, but you have slighted the honor of twins by choosing a bride from Alastair. Rob Bristol at that. The Westerners are better blue than the phrase. They are an ancient line descended from the first man. The kings of the rock sometimes were Westerners before the conquest, and there was another. Lane. Westerling wool. Squeen took him Hagar three hundred years ago. All of which will only solve Lord Wonder's wounds. It has always ranked him that all the houses look down on the phrase up. Upstream, upstarts, upstarts. This insult is not the far, the first he is born to hear him tell it. John Arryn was uh, disinclined to foster his grandson, and my father refused the offer of one of his daughters for Edmund. She inclined her hair to warn her father as he rejoined them. Your grace. Brinton, Blackfish said, perhaps we had best continue this in private. Guess Robert sounded tired. I would kill for a cup of wine. The audience somber, I think. As they started up the steps, Kathleen asked the question that had been troubling her since she entered the hall. Rob, where is the great wind? In the yard with a hunk of matter. I told the no. I must certainly see that he was fat. You always kept him with you before. A hole is no place for a wolf. He gets restless. 
you've seen loneliness nothing i shouldn't have, have taken him to bed with me he is good to many men to feel them now jeans and shoes around him and he defies the mother and there's the art of his cousin thought he is part of you robber to feel him is to feel you i'm not a wolf no matter what they call me robber sounded across gray wine we win kill a man at the crag another at usher mark and six or seven at oxcross if you had seen I saw Brand's wolf tear out a man's throat a winter. She sat sharply and loved the employees. That's different. The man at the crack was an idly and had known all her life. You can blame her for being afraid. Grey Wind doesn't like her uncle either. He, he bears his tears every time Sir Wolf comes near him. A chill went throughout her. Send the Sir Wolf away at once. Where? Uh, back uh, to the crag, uh, so the Lannisters can mount his head on a spike. Ian loves him, he is her hunker, and a fair night besides. Any moment like wolf spice, not fewer. I'm not going to banish him just because of him. My wolf doesn't seem to like the way he smells. Robbie stopped her hand, held his arm. I told you once to keep the angry joy close, and you did not listen. Listen now, send this man away. I am not saying you must banish him. Find some task that requires a man of courage, some horrible duty. What it is matters not. But do not keep him near you. He frowned. Should I have grey wind sniff all my nose? There might be others whose smell he mistakes. Any man grey wind mislikes is a man I do not want to close to you. These wolves are more than wolves, Rob. You must know that. I think perhaps the gods send them to us. Your father's gods, the old gods of the north. Five wolf pups, Rob. Five, four, five, Stark children. Six, uh, Rob. There was a wolf for John as well. I found them, remember? I know how many there were and where they came from. I used to think the same as you. These wolves were our guardians. Our protections until... Until... She prompted a rubber mouse tightened, until they told me that the owner had murdered Bran and Freakin. Smell good, they was a dither. I'm no longer a boy mother. I'm a king. And I can't protect myself. He sighed, I will find some duty for Seraph, some pretext to send him away, not because of his mouth, but to ease your mind. You have suffered enough. Relieved, Kathleen kissed him lightly on the cheek before the others could some could come around the turn of the stair, and for a moment he was her boy again, and hot her king. Lord Oster's private audience charm was a small room above the great hall, but it suited to intimate discussions. Robert took the art seat, removed his crown, and sat on the floor beside him as Catherine rang for wine. Edmund was feeling his uncle's hair with the whole story of the fight at the stone mill. It was only after the servants had come and gone that the blackfish cleared his throat and said, I think we have all her sufficient of your bosun nephew. Edmund was taken aback. Bosun, what do you mean? I mean, said the blackfish, that you owe his grace your thanks for his four browns.
he played out that um, the fellas in the great war so as not to shame you before your own people had it been me i would have played you for your speedy rather than praising this fully of the thoughts good man died to defend those thoughts uncle Edmund sounded outraged what is it? no one to win victories but the young wolf did i see a sanguinary man for you rob your grace rob correct i see you took me for your king, uh, uncle, or have you forgotten that as well? The backfish said you are command to hold River and Moon no more. I have Riveran and I be lot win knows. So you did, said Rob, but a beauty knows won't win the war, will it? Did you ever think to ask yourself why we remained in the West so long after Oxcross? Uh, you know I did not uh, have enough amount to Finland Sport or Castlery Rock. Why, there were other castles, go, Castle. You think we sailed for Pender? I was incredulous. Uncle, I want Lord Tywin to come with us. We were all horse, said Brydan, sighed, and the husk was mainly fruit. We planned to run Lord Tywin a merry chase up and down the coast, then slip behind him to take up a strong defensive position off the gold road. Had a blessing, my scouts had found where the ground would have been greatly in our favor. If he had come at us, that he would have paid a grievous price. But if he did not attack, he would have been trapped in west a thousand leagues from where he needed to be. Or, that while we would have lived all his lands, that of him living all ours. That Stanley was uh, about to tow upon King Stanley, Rob said. He might have rid us of Geoffrey the Queen, and the imp in one red stroke. Then we might have been able to make a peace. Admiral looked from uncle to nephew. You never told me. I told you to hold reverence, said Rob. What part of that command did you fail to comprehend when you stopped Lord Tywin on the Red Pole? said the Blackfish. It lay him just uh, long enough for riders out of Peterbridge to reach him with word of what was happening to the east. Lord Winter and his host at once joined up with Matthew's Rowan and Rundilla Tyrely near the headwaters of the backwater, and made a force march to some birds of old where he found the mace, Torah, and two of his sons waiting with a huge host and fleet or badges. They floated down the river, disembarked after his ride from the city, and took Sonny in the rear. Kathleen remembered King William Court as he had seen it at Bitter Bridge. A thousand golden roses streaming in the wind, Queen Margaret's shy smile soft towards her brother the knight of flowers with the beauty lining around his temples. If you had to fall into woman's arms, my son, why could they have been Margarita Ross? The wealth and power of a garden could have made all the difference in the fighting yet to come. And perhaps Grey Wind would have liked the smell of her as well. And looked ill. I never meant, never rob you must let me make amends. I will lead the vine next battle for a man's brothers. Awful glory, Kathleen wondered. The next battle rubs out well. That will be soon enough.
Once to free his world, and as we take them, Tyras will march beside them, and I may need to fight the freeze as well if the black water has his way. So long, Astian Greyjoy, sits in your father's seat with your brother's boot on his hands. These other fools must wait. Kathleen told her son, Your first duty is to defend your own people with a back winter and Anthion in a crow's cage dies slowly. Or oh, as put off that crowd for good, Rob Foreman we know that you are no true king at all. From the way Rob looked at her, she could tell that it had been a long while since anyone had dared speak to him so bluntly. When they told me Winterfell had fallen, I wanted to go north at once, he said, with a hint of defensiveness. I wanted to free Bran Rickon, but I thought I never dreamed that thing could harm them truly if I had. It is too late for ifs, and too late for briskies. Kathleen said, all that remains is vengeance. The last word we had from the north, Cedric had defeated a force of Iron Man near Thorn Square and was assembling horse at the castle Sir Wynn to retake Winterfell, said Rob. By now he may have done it. There has been no news for a long while. And what of the trident? If I turn north, I can't ask the river lords to abandon their own people. Poor. No, said Catherine, leave them to God they own and win back the north with Norman. How will you get the Norman to the north? Her brother Edmund asked the Iron Man controlled the Sunset Sea. The great joy has a hold of Caelan as well. No army has ever taken more Caelan from the south, even to march against it is madness. We could be trapped on the causeway with the iron bomb before us and then we freeze at our backs. We must win back the freeze, said Rob. With them, we still have some chance of success, however small. Without them, I see no hope. I'm willing to give Lord Walter whatever he requires. Apologize, honors, lands, gold. There must be something that would sue this pride. Not something, said Catalin. Someone.